Day. I'm Gabby. Welcome to a very special and somewhat different episode of the Happier Life Project. Today, I am taking you to India, the birthplace of yoga. Before we set off, a bit of background first. Yoga is a physical, mental and spiritual practice which originated in ancient India. It's a holistic discipline that combines physical postures, which we call in the yoga world asanas, breathing exercises or pranayama, meditation and ethical principles to promote physical, mental and spiritual well-being. India is a very spiritual country and while it has no official religion, more than 80% of Indians are Hindu. And in Hindu mythology, Shiva, god of destruction, the destroyer of the ego, who frees people from the negatives and puts them on the path of righteousness and courage, was said to be the first yogi. He began imparting the knowledge of yoga to the rest of mankind on the day of the summer solstice, which falls on the 21st of June, thus making him the first guru. And it's why we celebrate International Yoga Day, also known as World Yoga Day, on the 21st of June. It's a global event celebrated to promote the practice of yoga and raise awareness about its numerous benefits. So if you are listening to this podcast around the time of its release, this is why I have waited until now to bring you a collection of short interviews which I did earlier on in the year exploring yoga whilst highlighting the incredible healing benefits not just of the practice but of India itself too. And our first stop is Rishikesh. Rishikesh is a city in India's northern state of Uttarakhand in the Himalayan foothills besides the Ganges which means sacred river. Rishikesh is commonly referred to as the yoga capital of the world, and rightly so. It is the absolute epicentre for studying all things yoga and meditation. So when I decided last year that I wanted to go to the holy grail of yoga, India, to deepen my study of the practice, well, there was no doubt in my mind, it had to be Rishikesh. But what I didn't realise at the time was the huge lasting impact it was about to have. In modest accommodation where I washed my underwear out of a bucket, had access to maybe a minute of hot water a day, no heating at the start of the year, it was absolutely freezing. I'd go to bed fully dressed, wrapped up in a hat and a scarf under two blankets. I have never felt more content and at peace in my entire life. No internet, no TV, no radio, but the best company and the greatest of teachers. And this is where our story begins. 
I'm back on the rooftop of my school here in Rishikesh, the Jiva Yoga Academy, with my fierce leader, <laughs> head of the program, Vikas. How are you doing? I'm doing fabulous. How are you, Gabby? I'm doing very well, thank you. I am now a qualified yoga teacher. Yesterday we had the closing ceremony 50 years ago. This place was all jungle, right? But now it's become the yoga and meditation capital of the world. So can you tell us a bit about the story of Rishikesh? Yeah, actually just 50 years ago it wasn't completely jungle, but there were only few houses there. I will say that a few ashrams or uh, you will say like a monastery, they were working here. Uh, some charity or some different stuff, those monks and the sages were meditating here, so they were offering the food to them. Just more and more people started to come, those were looking for the enlightenment or meditation or yoga or spiritualism. So those people have arrived here and then slowly, slowly, you know, the wheel was moving and then it has been uh, boosted everything here and just last uh, a uh, couple of years is big change. It is really big change. What I can see is Indian tourists, foreigner tourists, but after COVID is much more tourism here. So in some ways good also, but in some ways bad if I see in natural way because, you know, when is more traffic, more people. So we have the less place for the animals and for the nature. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned the animals because this has been one of the highlights of my trip, apart from the academy, of course. But the fact where this particular school is situated at the foothills of the Himalayas, the monkeys, you know how much I love the monkeys. Yeah, the, we have two types of monkeys also here. Elephants, those people are living around here in Rusikas. The elephants entering the village or they have broken the walls, this. and But it's not the... Elephant has the intention to break the wall or to destroy the house of someone. He's uh, walking in his territory. Exactly. You know how I love the elephants as well. My dream came true yesterday. I got to see wild elephants. So I'm pro-elephant all the way. Yeah, I have seen this video that you have. Our chai's arrived. You were our yoga philosophy teacher as well as our Ashtanga teacher. I'm certainly a lot more flexible than I was four weeks ago. <laughs> but in terms of the yoga philosophy, I thought it was really interesting to learn that yoga is actually above all religions. Yeah. So could you like maybe summarize what you were teaching us for our listeners about that? Yes, yoga is not, uh, yoga doesn't belong to any religion. Uh, because when Patanjali born, there was no any religion in India. The Hinduism came. He's the founder of yoga. Yeah, who is the founder of yoga that he wrote a book that's called Patanjali Yoga Sutra. So there he is explaining uh, about Ashtang Yoga, that eight limbs of yoga, Yama, Niyama, that I have taught you, this self-discipline, observances, then Asana, this physical practice, when usually you talk uh, to the people and they say yoga, so they think this physical practice is Asana, this is yoga. But the Asana, then Pranayama, this breathing exercise, then uh, Pratyahara, sense withdrawal, then concentration, then meditation, the last stage, that is called Samadhi. Samadhi is liberation, how was the Jesus or Krishna or Buddha, they were liberated people, enlightened people. So the Goal is this, yes. Samadhi, uh, that is called uh, yoga and yogi means also who is enlightened being. Yogi means is not who is very flexible and doing lots of postures. It doesn't matter if it's a girl or a boy, you can't call her yogini or to him yogi. So yogi or yogini is belong to the self, not to your physical body. 
I'm so glad you brought this up because I was thinking about this earlier today, thinking about how much certainly in the Western world people would call themselves a yogi, but it basically means that they might do a couple of classes on YouTube or attend some classes in person and it's very much like I'm going to do the hour led by a teacher and then I'll go about my life. Whereas to be a true yogi, you have to dedicate yourself. It's a lifestyle, right? Yeah, it's completely your lifestyle is uh, when you have known to yourself, when, when you have woke up completely, you are completely awake and the things what's going around you is not disturbing you, then you are yogi. It is not that somebody somebody can somebody came here and he can makes you sad or somebody came in your life he can makes you happy so it doesn't mean that uh, you are yogi or yogini because it's ultimate slavery you are a slave because somebody has the rights uh, on you that the person can make you happy and uh, sad so it is not yogi the doesn't matter who is coming in your life and who is leaving and you know this is the unchangeable sequence of the life my parents will leave one day my brother will leave my cousin will leave my wife will leave definitely we have to leave and finally i have to leave also one day when there is no any problem if somebody is leaving it will not make you sad or if somebody is entering it will not make you happy it is completely equanimity that is called yoga I think a lot of people from all over the world come here because they want to come to the birthplace of yoga. You being an Indian guy living in Rishikesh, you, do you teach predominantly people who aren't Indian yoga? It is before COVID, 100% uh, Western people. And <laughs> it is interesting that people want to know and uh, it is said that in... Uh, our own country that less people are interesting this what do you think the mental health situation is like in india i'm speaking quite broadly um, because we're a mental health app do you think people or indians talk about mental health enough yeah they do and uh, i would say last 15 years it is revolution in india about the health and uh, I would say that we have a monk, his name is uh, Swami Ramdev, that he made, a, we call him a modern Patanjali because even in my childhood, I don't know, I was doing Chakrana, but I don't know this is yoga. I was doing this is the, I don't know what is this, but I was doing. And people don't know what is yoga. Every single person in India knows yoga because of this monk. The importance that how can you cure to yourself with the natural way, with yoga, with meditation, with pranayama. But even if you really need medicine, so you can cure to yourself with the natural, uh, uh, this herbal, this leaf or the some skins of the trees or, you know, this, all the Ayurvedic products you can cure. And it's really amazing that I had my personal experience with many herbs. So uh, when it comes to yoga and mental health, the benefits are huge if you're suffering from anxiety or PTSD, panic attacks, addiction. Um, what are your thoughts on how yoga can help somebody who's struggling with their mental and emotional health? Well, yoga is actually is com completely science. It is scientifically when you are breathing. Just an example, in normal breath, you intake 400 to 500 ml oxygen. 
in deep breathing that's called ujjayi breathing that you were doing in ashtanga yoga and breathing exercise you have learned in this ujjayi breathing you are intaking 4000 to 5000 ml oxygen 10 times more imagine when this big amount you are consuming of the oxygen how is the effect on your brain and uh, in, on your entire body just is scientifically it's not just in the fairy tales that i'm telling it just is proved for how much time a day would you have to practice yoga do you think to feel these benefits uh i would say that uh, at least 30 minutes you this asana practice and 30 to 40 minutes and minimum minimum 20 minutes you should do breathing exercise this pranayama so an hour a day basically yeah, an hour a day but the person who is re- who is really busy schedule and schedule and can't get uh, time for the breathing exercise for you i would say do you have one minute i can teach you a breathing exercise just for a minute that is called bhastrika pranayama that one day in the class we have done and you have seen just in one minute how the, your uh, brain is it is calm down you are thoughtless completely so the people though you are very tricky mind you know or this their mind is running here and there so do just uje breathing one minute and uh, sorry bhastrika pranayama one minute and you will see in one minute how your mind is just quiet that you need to be careful those people have the high blood pressure heart problem they shouldn't do so fast and so strongly they should uh, step by step you know go uh, faster and faster by starting uh, with slow final question as we wrap things up and thank you for your time and thank you for teaching me so much over the past four yeah, weeks you were the so lovely student i really love you so much 20 dollars is in his back pocket right now <laughs> do you think i'm ready to teach Of course you are the greatest yogini on the planet now and I will not I would not say on the planet but in UK and of course you can teach you are doing so great job no no apart from jog that is is true that you are able to teach thank you vikas you're most welcome thank you so much i was very pleased to have this interview with you i'm very very pleased to have this interview with you thank you Emily, we met here in Rishikesh at the uh, Jiva Yoga Academy. We both took together the teacher training course. How's it been for you this whole crazy almost month? I mean, the program has been um, wonderful, very um, challenging in a lot of different types of ways. So I think it's been transformative and yeah, just the different types of challenges I've faced with yoga, but just personally and um Yeah, I'm really excited to sort of deepen my practice once I get home because I feel like I've learned a lot to, you know, really get into it more like in my daily life. So, well, you are such a natural. I mean, I know that you've been practicing for 10 years. I think it would be really helpful to talk a little bit about how your personal physical problems that you experienced really young like in college and how yoga's helped in so many different ways you manage these symptoms. Yeah, so I um I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and inflammatory bowel disease um 10 years ago, so when I was 20. Um and it really changed my whole life. Um and that's when I got into yoga. I was in college and, you know, really managing a lot of like debilitating um symptoms where I couldn't go to class or I couldn't do physical activity, things like that. And so my friend had told me that yoga could be really helpful to really just cope with the the mental part of it was the aim first. Um so I started yoga and it's really hard to describe how important it's become in my life because it's 
like not only does it help with coping, like the pranayama breathing part of it, because that really helps sort of center myself when I'm feeling really stressed, because when I become more stressed, of course, it impacts your physical symptoms. So it's really helped with that. But it's also really helped me understand my body and my mental health symptoms as well better. So, you know, like with yoga, like, you know, you're constantly reconnecting with your breath, right? So just in normal life, you know, your heart starts beating fast, right? I can tap into that very quickly and think, oh, am I getting irritated? Am I getting annoyed? Am I getting um, really flustered here? So then I can tap into like, okay, what tool can I use here? Right? So I think yoga has been, again, I don't know what other word to use and transformative to, to really understand um, what I need as a person better. And is this why you decided after 10 years of, you know, dedicated practice to learn how to become a teacher and to share this with others? Yeah, so I've actually wanted to become a teacher for a long time, but my health sort of prevented me from um, doing a really committed program. And I really did want to come to India to do it. So this it was sort of really good timing that I could come here and do it because of what a profound impact it's had on my mental and physical health, I think it can be really helpful for anyone with a chronic disease because with chronic disease, there's no cure, like it's forever, right? So you really have to figure out a way to manage it so you can still feel fulfilled and having a meaningful life. And I think yoga is a really profound way to do that because you you can understand yourself better so that you can like, okay, can I go out to the movies with my friends right now or can I not, right? So it really, um, I think, can help people with chronic diseases more. So that's really my goal is to make yoga more accessible for people with like mental and physical um, conditions. And this is why you're going to make such an incredible teacher. And also, as well as all the, um, you know, the history and the experience and, you know, the passion behind yoga, you've got this other string to your bow. And that is that you have been a mental health therapist for many years as well, right? Yeah, so I was trained as a social worker. Um, so I got my master's in social work. Um, but then when I moved back to the East Coast from Chicago, where I got my degree, I started working at a health clinic as like a behavioral health specialist. So I was doing short term therapy with patients with hypertension, diabetes, things like that. Um, and then after that, I became a therapist online through BetterHelp. I mean, if I was looking for a therapist, you've just got such a lovely way about you. I, I would feel like I've hit the jackpot if I found you. As a mental health therapist, have you ever prescribed yoga as a form of treatment? Yeah, so, well, I guess to clarify, so I don't like prescribe anything just because I'm not like a doctor, but I've definitely recommended yoga mm -hmm. to a lot of like my clients, my patients. And when I say yoga, I also don't just mean like the movement, the asanas part. Like I've recommended diaphragmatic breathing to almost all of my clients at some point mm -hmm. um, because I think it's so important and you know, understanding yourself, calming yourself and, um, you know, using different tools. So yes, definitely. So let's talk a little bit about India, because not only Rishikesh, which is so special, I mean, you and I have just fallen in love with the place and we've both said we're going to be back. The animals is a very much a mutual like, oh, talk a bit about the animals first, Emily. 
Oh, I mean, I, I love the all the monkeys, right? They're just like climbing around everywhere and they just want to like visit with you. It's so wonderful. And steal your food and your underwear. <laughs> yes. Yes, I've lost a bra and, and socks. <laughs> but it's okay because it's monkeys. But then also there's just dogs everywhere. And, you know, some of them can be a little dicey, but most of them are really nice. So I, yeah. I love that too. <laughs> yeah, we've ended up adopting one, haven't we? Yes, right down the street. Karma. <laughs> um, so yeah, India, you've been here, like I said, for the start of this interview for seven weeks it's quite the culture shock isn't it coming here for the first time yes it is I mean my my husband's from India so he came here to see his family for three weeks before I started this program and so I feel like I, I had this really like intimate view of India like you know how you're invited into people's homes and fed and at parties and how you interact and then I came here as a tourist right because I'm here without my family who's Indian and you're treated very differently, right? So it's very um, shocking altogether. <laughs> the selfie thing, we've experienced quite a lot. People will just stop you in the street and they're like, do you mind if we do a selfie? And this isn't just like sporadically. This happens all the time. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's with good intentions, but it can feel like a lot sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, it was like you were saying to me, especially when it's like national holidays, then perhaps people have come to different parts, like bigger towns. We've both been to Mumbai. And then here in Rishikesh, it does attract a lot of people as well from all, all over that, you know, these people from like the countryside have never seen a white person before. Yeah, I think that can be part of it. Like they're they're just not used to that. Like Indians might be in big cities. Right. Yeah. So. Here in Rishikesh, there's no alcohol, there's no meat, there's no eggs. It's illegal, actually, to um, sell them or to, to buy them. Did you find that hard? No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm, I'm vegetarian, so that was fairly easy. I mean, the alcohol, like I only drink socially, really, anyway. So it's actually kind of refreshing to not have any pressure to drink when you're out or just for dinner or things like that so I think it's been pretty refreshing actually. <laughs> so what have you missed most about home in the States and what have you missed least? Ah, that's a really good question. I'm leaving today and I think that the thing I'm not looking forward to the most is actually all of like the rules and regulations and all of like sort of the in some ways like rigid structure of the U.S. compared to India like India is very free-flowing which I love but can also be exhausting <laughs> what do I miss the most that's interesting I mean I guess like my family like besides my husband and my dog yeah I miss my family the most and I get you know just like some comforts of life right, right that like are a little bit less accessible yeah. In India? Like a hot shower. Yeah, like a hot shower, exactly. <laughs> the landscape of mental health in the US, what do you think it looks like? Is it as accessible as it should be, that support? It's a really good question. I think COVID really um, changed the landscape and made it really accessible in some ways. You know, with um, like the video platforms, I think has made it um, accessible in terms of being able to do sessions in your home. But in another way, I don't think it's made it accessible because a lot of those platforms cost a lot of money mm -hmm. and a lot of people who need the services can't afford that. So I think there is a ways to go in terms of making mental health services affordable for people like in inner cities around the country who don't have a lot of income. I think there is still some work to be done there. Mm -hmm. 
Final question. What's been your highlight of your experience in Rishikesh? I mean, if I say the yoga yoga program, it's pretty vague, but I would say the yoga program, <laughs> you know, like connecting with you and Suzanne and the teachers. And, you know, I think I think what it really is, is like having the dedicated space to just think about yoga mm. and like how, you know, that can be my lifestyle and things. So I think. Yeah. That's been the highlight. And we've talked as well about the fact that we're going to get home and people are going to think we've just been relaxing for a month, right? But it's been probably one of the most challenging things we either of us have done. Would you agree? Yeah, I would definitely agree because I think challenging in like just a self-discipline sort of way, right? Because like where we've been staying, like the, the standard of living is just different, right? But also the, the schedule is like really rigorous, right? Like, you know, two yoga, like physical classes a day and then like seven hours of learning things, right? Like that's, that's just a lot of like absorbing. <laughs> so I think like how to absorb all of that and then integrate it into your life, that is like a huge challenge, but probably the most important challenge we can yeah. have, so... <laughs> I agree. We'd better get to it then, hadn't we? Yes. Emily, thank you so much. I know we're going to keep in touch. Yes, definitely, Gabby. We'll meet up. <laughs> it's the day before my final exam at the Jiva Yoga Academy in Rishikesh, India. And I finally found a moment to sit down with one of my teachers, Pritam. He is my Pranayama teacher. Welcome. So first of all, thank you a lot, Gabby for giving me this opportunity to speak. Uh, I'm giving, I'll give you my 100%. Oh, I know, because you always do. So you teach Pranayama, which is basically breath work. And I think for our listeners back home, a lot of them are from the UK and America. If we could start with a quick description, a quick synopsis of what is Pranayama? Pranayama basically is our breathing work. So where we work on our respiratory system, on our breathing system. So day-to-day -day life, uh, usually in, from our environment, our society, our wherever we live, our, our this atmosphere is not good. So somewhere we have to know more about the pranayama because Rishikesh is more quiet and more clean environment here because we are close to our Himalayas. So everywhere is greenery and, you know, air is super clean. That's why, you know, it's very easy to do uh, yoga here, to practice yoga here. People, you know, they are more connected here with, the, with this yoga. So when we're practicing pranayama, breath work, and you've been teaching me how to do various um, different exercises, and there's so many benefits, and it's completely free. Anybody can do it, and most of us aren't breathing correctly. Could you tell us about some, and I know there's so many, but like a handful of the benefits of breath work? So in day-to-day -day life, first the benefits of this uh, yogic uh, breathing so I think people are struggling a lot uh, to breathe right now. They all the time uh, busy with their electronic things like games, like computer. So I mean, the breath is the very important uh, way uh, where you can connect it in your 10 senses, your action senses and your normal senses, five senses. So physically and mentally. So, like, it um, calms down the nervous system. That would be one of the big benefits. Yeah, of course. Nervous system, you know, in the nervous system, in head, you know, you have many, many organs are there. 
so there is like three minds are there like positive negative and third one we call in sanskrit sushumna there is also a mind there the third nadi we said nadi is your you know the channels the astral channels where we work on work on our pranayama and in terms of mental health how does pranayama help if you are suffering with any mental health problems like anxiety like panic attacks maybe addiction how can pranayama simple breath work help so usually you know everywhere in universe we are you know connected with our mind because mind is the only one thing who is responsible for everything so if we sit somewhere and doing pranayama if we are working on our breathing so we are settling down our mind there so if we are able to settling down our mind there so it is very easy to taking our mind positively so the negative things like you know we are never move in like bad things like any kinds of drug or any kind of you know uh, this uh, social things like any social things which you know which distract our sense there like our eyes skin or nose or our tongue like food also you know food is also drug when we consume you know bad uh, food so we hurt our this sense there so we lose our sense we like connected with that drug we we our mind is always you know moving on that world when you are you know doing this uh, pranayama practice so you are more connected with your senses there so when you are connected with your senses your mind become more calm so when your mind become more calm then you achieve on the concentration then you are able to concentrate on your things and it starts with the breath i found taking your classes that it's really helped me go to sleep and get into a deep sleep as well because like you said it's very calming i'm curious this is my first time in india you're a young guy living in rishikesh do people speak openly about mental health in india they are worried to speak openly but yeah nowadays you know india becoming more more open but yeah rishikesh is super advanced i know like if i share this thing whatever i kept in my head in my body so it is very helpful and it was very good to share because other thing i don't have anything no money nothing just uh, we are somewhere struggling also like but but from this part we are super rich my friends and me all the time you know we are sharing these things about the wellness about and we are making plans for you know from the next month from the next week what we can do for our mental health what we can do for the people those who visiting visiting us here in rishikesh so we are generally more working on this this way i think rishikesh is really special i mean it's called the yoga and meditation capital of the world so perhaps people that are drawn to come to rishikesh are more open about talking about their mental health but i think if you venture outside to some of the bigger cities like mumbai like delhi i mean speaking is not uh, bad in other other cities as well you can speak uh, freedomly there as well but you know they don't know the roots there but when you arrive here in rishikesh 
people know the route i traveled you know in the cities and i saw there people from morning to night they are working in the in the you know industry and all day they didn't work for them they do, they even they don't have time to eat they don't even time to, to toilet so somewhere it's very complicated there to you know because they their mind is only focused there on the money 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 only for money for their body they are not uh, Uh, doing anything so for that i am feeling uh, like glad here like i learned from our masters and our families like this here so yeah yeah i mean i've certainly learned so much over the past almost 4 weeks and what you're saying about you know that connection coming here and disconnecting from work but connecting with nature we're at the foothills of the himalayas as you said we're right by the um, most holy river i think in the yes, world yes. the the ganga i've never felt better i've never felt more grounded and as somebody that suffers with anxiety it seems to have gone <laughs> over the past few weeks which is scaring me a bit about re-entering into you know and i'm air quoting this the real world when i get back home and i just hope that I can continue with all the teachings that you've shown me and the other teachers here have shown me about finding that balance and staying connected to myself and to nature and um setting boundaries in the workplace as well like having a cut-off points when I finish work I finish work I don't need text messages or WhatsApp messages that can wait until the next day all of those trappings which i think certainly in the western world and it sounds like in india too we we've kind of accepted speaking of the ganga we're going to wrap up this interview now because i'm going to go and spend some time there <laughs> so thank you very much pritam and thank you so much for teaching me about pranayama well i know i've got a lot to learn but um yeah it's been a real joy these past few weeks so thank you Yeah thank you so much to come here to visit here and it's a very great moment for me as well to share with you and uh, yeah you are a such a wonderful kind woman <laughs> and you know i saw like you have a, such a good child inside so you know who is always uh, finding something here in market or in you know everywhere and uh, you are always smiling so that was a very uh, good thing for me it you know because most of the people comes here with their problems they are not not uh, you know leaving their problems there they are come with the problems here they gives these problems to us as well but you know people's when you meet someone so you have to give love to others not the problems you know because we everyone have problems thank you so much for your this interview i hope you get some points from my no from my knowledge from my language i hope you understand everything because somewhere we are not native speakers sometimes you know it's a it's a complicated to speak and to think that english words you know so thank you a lot <laughs> oh thank you a lot no i understood you perfectly and i did come here with some problems but i think quite quickly i released them or the monkeys took them off me yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a nice way you know it's hard to believe that three and a half weeks ago My next guest I didn't know because now I know you so well Susan. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. So you are from the USA. I am. I am from Atlanta, Georgia. I am a retired school teacher, retired in 2019. What drew you to India? 
Well, I got really into yoga and I wanted to go to yoga school. So I looked around at a lot of different places and India just seemed like the most authentic place to go to learn more about yoga. And what is it about yoga that you really fell in love with? Well, I love the way it makes your body feel and also translates into making your mind feel better. I like how no matter what you're doing, it's okay and you're always making progress. Like every day you try something and you get just a little bit better and it's just a gradual progression. Our journey is coming to a close here in Rishikesh at least very soon. And um, people that haven't done a yoga teacher training course, I think they think, oh, it's just going to be a holiday for a month. You're going somewhere nice and different and you're going to maybe do some stretching. But you know yourself, it's really intensive. Right. Yes. It was very hard. I knew it would be hard. Doing yoga class twice a day, doing hard poses, um, having classes, having your schedule full from seven o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock at night was something I'm not used to. Um, Yeah. Six days a week as well. One day off. Yeah. Not that's not the retirement lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. What did you find the most challenging Uh, during your time here and what have you found the most what's been your most sort of profound aha moment interesting so the most challenging I would say physically it was the most challenging because I was doing a lot of things to my body day after day after day and um, again I was getting stronger I was building muscles but that kind of hurts too so you have soreness and um, and then That kind of, again, because when your body feels good, that relates into your mental state and the opposite is true. So when you're sore and you're tired and you're cold, then your mental state kind of deteriorates a little bit. So that was my biggest challenge was overcoming that, staying positive about what I was doing, um, knowing that I could accomplish whatever I needed to do. Gee, my biggest aha moment. That's a good one because there's like every day something new that you just like, woof. Um, So the philosophy, just talking to people like you and Emily and our teachers about things that a lot of people don't talk about on a normal day-to-day basis. It's a deep awareness of what you're doing here on earth, as opposed to just occupying your time with activities and, you know, keeping busy and then, you know, really questioning the universe and in yourself. So I've I've learned a lot about that. What is the thing that you miss most about home? And what is the thing that you miss least? Ah, You're gonna make me cry. (laughs) No, don't cry. (laughs) So um, yeah, I really do miss my kids a lot. Well, you'll be seeing them soon, and then you'll be like, God, why did I miss you guys? No, like when they're little, I would be like, leave me alone a minute. But then when they get older and like they're perfect (laughs) and you just want to be with them all the time, then they're not there anymore. So that's all part of, you know, the, the empty nest and the retirement and all of that. That's all part of the package. So and that's one of the reasons why I do something like this, because I know I have to broaden (laughs) And you've adopted two more kids, me and Emily. (laughs) Right. So I've got two more kids. I just adopt adults only. No, no one under 18. So I miss that. I just miss how much easier things are because you know where things are. You know which way to drive on the road. Not that I've been driving, but still it kind of freaks me out when I see cars coming on the wrong side of the road. Yeah, there's no um, like traffic light system here or 
yeah, signposts or anything like that. Yeah. So when I'm home, when I'm back in the States, I understand everything. I understand the rules. I know what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do. I understand how to speak to people. There's no communication problems or few, much, many fewer communication problems. What I miss the least about it? Hmm. There's a, a kind of a sense of complacency that comes with that, you know, that I don't have now. A sense of boredom and just like, uh, no, there's no um, incentive to go and get up and do something new because you're just so, everything's just easier. So when things are hard, they're hard, but it gives you more life. That's an aha moment right there. Yeah, very profound. <sighs> you're welcome. <laughs> Susan. Thank you so much for sharing this journey with me in Rishikesh. I love you so much. Thank you so much. I love you too. And I love this relationship that we've built. And we've got to wrap it up uh, now because we're shortly to go on a jungle safari together. Going to get that certificate. I'm going to be a yoga teacher. And then we're going to go and see wild elephants. (laughs) Thank you, Susan. Thank you for having me. You know, listening back to those interviews when I was putting the podcast together, it took me right back and I'm not going to lie, I cried. (laughs) Apologies for the background noise or as my dear friend who you just heard from Susan put it, the national anthem of India, car honking. (laughs) But my story didn't end in Rishikesh. After a wonderful month, I was off to Goa. Now, Goa is a state in western India with beautiful coastlines and beaches stretching along the Arabian Sea. Northern Goa is more notorious for having a party scene, whereas southern Goa is much more serene and home to many yoga schools and retreats. Not ready to give up my complete immersion into yoga or India just yet, I took myself off to Patnam Beach in Southern Goa and enrolled in a week-long yoga retreat. Or so I believed, because then I got scammed. Now this is something that you have to be careful about. For me, I was really, really, really lucky as I found an amazing teacher, ironically from Liverpool, and you're about to meet her. And she let me join her yoga classes in an absolutely stunning location. And then I met the wonderful Trish Whelan and was able to get a place on her Kundalini yoga retreat. Trish and I recorded an episode of the Happier Life Project back then, which you can check out earlier in the series. It's called Inside a Kundalini Yoga Retreat. So everything for me did work out. And if you do ever want any advice on yoga retreats or teachers or teacher training courses, feel free to drop me a message on Instagram and I'd be more than happy to help. But back to Goa. Again, I met the most amazing people from all over the world. But when I was booking my plane ticket, did I expect that one of those persons would be from down the road back home? I did not. I'm delighted now to introduce you to Juliet Gavin, a phenomenal yoga teacher who splits her time between the northwest of the UK and the south of Goa. I am in the Palm Trees Yoga Resort in South Goa, a stone's throw from this beautiful beach called Patnam Beach. And Julia 
is from uh, my neck of the woods back in the UK. I certainly am. Check out the accent. Didn't go anywhere. (laughs) It's so true. From Liverpool to Goa, we need to get into this story. But let's talk first about this incredible location. And you are not just a yoga teacher. You are a yoga teacher of teachers. Yeah, I'm hosting yoga teacher trainings here in, in Goa. I've been here for 10 years, backwards and forwards to the UK. I head back to the UK for the summer months. Um, And then two or three years ago, I came into Palm Trees Yoga Resort, where I've got my own school here. So I'm, yeah, running trainings, 200 and 300 hours. So certifying teachers and then helping teachers to delve deeper and further into practice and to, to deepen their teaching skills as well. Amazing. I was recommended you. I've been here for a few weeks now and I turned up and it was Rocket Vinyasa. (laughs) There's a thing. (laughs) Oh, the rocket. The rocket. I am smashing rocket at the moment. It's my thing. Yeah. Well, before we go any further, I think we just need to describe this incredible location that we're sat in right now. I mean, you know, goals in life. We're surrounded by palm trees, I guess, hence the name. There's a lot of palm trees and the palm trees aren't ours, actually. The palm trees are another business. And every few weeks, every six weeks or so, we have the um, the coconut pluckers oh. who come and shimmy up and down the trees and get rid of all the, the coconuts. And then they're taken away for, for coconut oil. So there's wow. another business. There's another layer to the to the business than as just being a, a yoga a yoga resort. I'd be like nicking all the coconuts. We're not allowed. Oh. We're not allowed. <laughs> like honestly, I'll be shot down dead for taking a coconut. Really, it's very political. Oh, very wow. political. Okay. Yeah, but other than that, yeah, the resort sits in between Patnem Beach and Rajbag Beach, mm. and we're kind of on like the backwater of Goa. So the little river runs down onto Patnem Beach. So even though we're only a 10 minute walk from the beach, it's got like quite a different feel from the beach resorts. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's very serene. I mean, we're sat right now talking in a a yoga. uh, I always want to say chalet, but it's Charla. Chalet. Chalet. Yeah. Yeah. Which in Sanskrit means home, yoga home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, surrounded by palm trees, but the resort itself, because you can come here and you can do classes and drop-in classes, and that's how I found you, but there's an incredible resort that is like the mothership, first and foremost. Yeah, there's 13 cottages over there on the other side of the of the river, um, like single, double and family cottages. Like the resort is now up and running as a yoga resort with there's some guys but predominantly women coming for yoga coming for a beach holiday coming to enjoy you know what Goa has to offer as a holiday resort and then at certain times of the year I'm running the trainings yeah so you've got yoga retreats that you offer here you've got your yoga teacher trainings mm-hmm. and you've got like I mean even to get to the um Charlotte you've got to go over this like little cute bridge over like a bit of a lake situation I mean it's just incredible it really is special that bridge is so special and one of the guests only this week has said she felt like she was on I'm a celebrity get me out of here <laughs> I love it. I love it. I don't know how you feel about this. And just from my observations on my own personal journey with yoga and then yoga teacher training, 
Do you find you get people that like sign up to do it because of the location and because like they love doing yoga, but maybe they love doing the physical aspect of, well, I take yoga classes a few times a week. So therefore I'm going to like throw myself into this program. Whereas, you know, I don't need to tell you that it's a really intensive course and like... I was thinking about this the other day. Maybe there's a gap in the market for like a kind of not a teacher training because people maybe don't want to be a teacher, but not a retreat, but somewhere in the middle where you can work on your flexibility and getting your body to, you know, go into all these poses for Instagram, which is, I think, what happens a lot when people rock up to a teacher training and then they can struggle. I'd love to know what you think about this, Julia. Then they can struggle. What is the solution to this? Because I'm racking my brains and it's interesting that you have, you know, you've picked up on it in the time that you've been here in India. And the amount of people who join these, it's a, so it's a three-week training. Let's talk about the 200 hours for now because the 300s is, is a little bit different. Yeah. So, so people sign up for this like really intense 200 hour teacher training. They fly themselves all the way to Goa where you have got a glorious beach 10 minutes away. Mm. However, they are scheduled from seven in the morning through till six and then there's homework. Yes. And part of that journey is to possibly accept the fact that you can't go to the beach. Yes. Right? Sometimes it gets really hot, you know, April course, and maybe you do want to go and sit in the breeze on the beach and have a soda or whatever you, you know. She's air quoting the word soda there. The word soda. So ultimately, I think they do come over for the holiday destination. Mm. But I think they are in for a shock when they see the schedule. It happens all the time. And... I have the conversation with them to say, you didn't sign up for a yoga retreat. It's yoga teacher training. It's a three-week intensive course. It is called an intensive experience, (laughs) right? And it says in the blurb on the website, all the websites say the schedule is all there, but yeah, people will still come over and and buy into this, you know, yoga on the beach in, you know, in Goa. But they'll talk about it being a life-changing experience. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A life changing experience. And you are absolutely right. If I could come up with a name to rebrand that course, then I would, but I can't think of the name. But it is a life changing experience. It's time out from whatever you're doing yes. beyond, you know, beyond the three weeks. Yes. It's very much time out from that. But somehow we've all bought into this 200 hour yoga teacher training mm. and then you're going to get a certificate from the Yoga Alliance yes. at the end of it. Yes. Yes. And this is then when we go into another issue, which is in 200 hours, yes, you learn a lot, and but it's all in for a few weeks. And then you go back to life back home and it's like, an incredible memory and you try and remember what you can in terms of what you've learned and you've got to be quite disciplined then as well but then you've got like people with a certificate that are then going on to teach people yoga and again I don't need to tell you this but like yoga's not just like doing the physical aspect of it as well and then it's like in terms of representing yoga and teaching yoga in a safe way I feel like, are we giving away the 200-hour certificate a bit too willy-nilly? Do we, should it be more of a six-month diploma like it is for the Indians who, who like study it like going to university? I can only speak for my course. Okay. And 
let's just acknowledge that every single 200 hour course is completely different yes yeah i've done two and they were polar opposites right so you could go and do a yoga teacher training and you could only look at the chakras and the nadis and the subtle body, right? You can do a teacher training without any reference to the knee joint, the shoulders, your back and all the precautions that you need to take in your own practice and to teach, right? That's not applicable to my course. It is absolutely like jammed pack with safety precautions anatomical references, the technicalities of the postures. Mm. And then there's a big emphasis on teaching what we would call like a 60 minute flow, which is exactly the kind of flow that you would do in the studio back home, yeah. your five o'clock, your six o'clock class. You've been sitting in the office all day. You want to go move and to breathe, mm. right? That's the brand and that's what you'll get from me, mm. right? So this big part of meditation, big part of, you know, m you know, big focus on movement meditation. And I believe that in 10 years, my course pulls the traditions of the yoga with a very contemporary feel as well. And I'm like so up to date with what is going on in the yoga studios at the moment, because I go back to Liverpool and the cities, I go to London and I go to the classes that are popular to know what popular yoga mm. is. Right. And yeah. it is different from like, we're not doing yoga that like Patanjali talked about two and a half thousand years ago. It's very different. Studio yoga is different and like it all over, it, it serves purpose yeah. because people at the end of the day will go. They'll take an hour out of their day for themselves to move and to breathe. And whether that's a shtanga or whether you're laying on bolsters in yin. It's, you're getting out you of your see. own head, aren't you, as well? I think that's such a yeah. big, big one, yeah. Yeah, that's, to be fair, that's making me think as well about, like, my teachers. On the 200-hour, I did one in Portugal that was certainly more westernised, should we say. But actually, yeah, probably more applicable in terms of, like, if I was to go on and teach myself. But then I was like, well, I want to learn from the holy grail i need to go to india you know i want to i want to experience it right so i went to rishikesh and i learned the indian way for sure i guess you've struck the right balance there regarding whether you can be a teacher after a three-week training yeah. what i'd like to say to that is you can only call yourself a teacher if you are teaching let's talk about all your training and teachings and learnings because your story started here in Goa 10 years ago, right? In terms of taking your first teacher training yourself. Yes, yeah, and there was there was never any... I didn't give up life in the UK to come and do yoga teacher training and to become a yoga teacher. I was here in the area, I seen a sign on a tree that said yoga teacher training. And at the time I was a high school teacher, I was with a husband who was also a high school teacher. And previously, Yoga towards had been a stretch after a spinning class. We were travelling and then for whatever reasons we ended up in Patnam and we'd been to Patnam like 10 years prior mm. and we loved Patnam so we came back and we'd been travelling, we'd been like super healthy, we weren't drinking, um, we'd, we'd actually quit our jobs in the UK and the plan was to go and work in an international school teaching right. maths and history. Paul right. was a history teacher. 
So we're here in Goa. We were on Patnam Beach and I went out shopping one day and I came back and I was like, I've just seen a sign for teacher training. And like, I'd never heard of that before. It was 10 years ago. It wasn't, you know, there was two, two big schools in the area and there was a course that was running over Christmas. And I was like, look, we like teaching and we like yoga. A yoga back then was just yoga. There was no styles. It was right. it was just yoga. I was like, let's do this course. And it was running over Christmas, right? And I did the course over Christmas because I didn't want to get pulled into the party scene. <laughs> As the fun British girl. That wouldn't have been that hard, right? That wouldn't have been that hard. It was like 40p for a beer at the right. time on the beach. So that was the reason why we signed up for the course. Right, and then it was it was a four week course back then. It was just as I say, it was just across the way on on Patnam Beach, and for whatever reasons, husband didn't finish the course. I finished the course, and then it got to the end of the course, and I just saw like so much potential in what was a small school with an Indian quirky, charismatic teacher who had the most amazing energy. And he was doing a great job, but I just saw opportunities to open up in terms of curriculum and to just put some better structure. <laughs> oh my God, it, that's the teacher, that's the teacher the thing, in you, isn't it? The teacher it? in me and, you know, schedule woman. And, and, and I just, like the teacher methodology really kind of like interested me because, you know, coming from like a, an education background, I just, the, the whole pedagogy of teaching yoga was just really, you know, of huge interest mm. to me. It was like a burning bush. It was a burning you know? bush. It was, it was insane, <laughs> right? So then I was just like, yeah, I'm going to teach yoga. So then I kind of like put myself on a drop-in schedule. I was teaching like two drop-in classes a day and developing as a, as a yoga teacher. And then I started helping out with the curriculum. And then it just all evolved over time. The partner, we decided that I was gonna stay until the end of the season because I was just, I was loving life. Yeah. And he said, it's okay, I'm gonna go off traveling. And then I saw a different path, yeah. right? I saw a different path and the, the jobs that we had, which would have been to go and work in an international school on huge salaries. Yeah tax-free, state-of-the-art apartment, like the most incredible lifestyle. And I just had this one day where, do I do that? Do I take that lifestyle and go and live in AC on this big salary and continue to teach maths? Or do I embrace teaching yoga on a beach in Goa and earn no money? I was earning like, I was earning enough money to just like live for the day. So I stayed, so I stayed and got involved in the school. So the relationship kind of like, we, we went our own separate ways, which was, which was agreed by both of us. I just had a fabulous time there. I just loved it. I loved it. I was doing loads of yoga, wasn't drinking. Like I was super, super healthy. My mind was so clear, so clear that when I had this decision to make, there was no discussion in my mind. It was like, I'm staying here and this is the decision that I've decided to take. It was that cut and dry I've kind of got goosebumps and want to cry at the same your story is so inspiring it's like it's it was like destiny happening when you just knew yeah absolutely absolutely so then I had to go home didn't I and tell my parents and everybody <laughs> that like I've left my husband I'm staying in Goa yeah. And hey guys, a few small changes since I saw you last. That, right? So I went home, didn't I, in hippie Indian trousers. I had a bindi on and everything. I went home like, yeah, I've joined a yoga school in, in, in Goa. And they were like, oh my God, she's joined a cult. 
And they're like, and who's this guru? And I'm hanging around with this guy in white with all this like long hair. And I'd, I was pretty well traveled. And my parents were always invited to come and see me all over the world. And they never made it. And when I came back to Patnam, they were out within two weeks to come and check out like what she's got in I mean it wasn't even a kid I was like 37 or something like that I was staging an intervention what's the baby baby doing now (laughs) yeah yeah we always stay a baby though don't we to the parents 100% my sister was like we're going shopping right she was just like get you out of that hippie gear (laughs) (laughs) and then what happened when they got here and they saw they were just like oh god we get it like, my dad loves the beach. The pair of them were beach bums and mum and dad come out, like, every, like, January, February and they stay with me for four weeks or, or six weeks. So they've completely embraced it. Well, there's a magic in India, isn't there? Which I'm still trying to f- find the right words to describe what it is. And I've, I've not been able to manage it just yet. But there is just, from what, I mean, I haven't been all over India, so I can't really surmise the whole country but in terms of like let's say the yoga healing parts of India there feels like there's just this magic being involved in that school was magic right I've got like yogis from all over the world like energy was always really high and to pull people together for yoga teacher training or a yoga retreat and have people come and I don't necessarily talk about healing I talk about Come and enjoy yoga in Goa with me, right? Let's practice together. Let me share everything I have with you. And then we're going to go to the beach and enjoy Goa on the beach. And for me, the magic is all the people that come together in this space in Patnam and like the beautiful souls and energy that I've met over, over the years. I didn't go to Rishikesh. See, that's where I found so much magic, you know? Yeah. No beach. But no. A very holy river, but no beach. Absolutely. And I spent a little bit of time in, in Mysore. So I, and I never, ever came over to India looking for the, the spiritual journey. The enlightenment. No, mm. I never, ever did that. And I'm very aware because they all arrive, you know, they arrive in, in, in our resort and in our, in our chalet. There are people who are in search of something and they come to India and they think they're going to find it. And many of them do and many of them don't. But surely in terms of like through the lens of mental health and emotional health, because I have to kind of draw it back to the pod and I'm going to use the word healing again, like you must have seen people benefit greatly especially when you're with them in such an intense environment for three or four weeks the journey that they go on emotionally and mentally and physically too of course and yoga I don't know there's so much releasing that happens in yoga mm-hmm. like you said for example when we were practicing headstands about how it gets you out of your head yes you know right so if you make five minutes in your day for meditation to go and do handstands five minutes of ashtanga, if that's possible, right? You have taken five minutes out of your day to stop your thoughts. That's what yoga is. Yoga is stopping your thoughts, right? So what happens is people come on teacher training and this refers back to what you were speaking before about like, how can we rebrand or rename this this teacher training? Like people are actually taking three weeks out of their life to come over and to dedicate it to practice and to dedicate it to learning something completely new. 
And that's why it's life changing and that's why it's maybe healing if you want to you know, talk about it in terms of healing because you have created this huge, huge point of concentration in your life, right? When you're back home, you're working in the office, that point of concentration might be to go and sit and focus on your breath for a few minutes, right? But here, you're taking three weeks from everything at home, from your regular life, your responsibilities, and that's why it's life-changing, and that's why there's so much benefit from it and why people consider it to be such a, a life-changing experience. But if you go and sign up for 10 days of Vipassana, for example, you're doing the same thing, aren't you? You're kind of taking 10 days for yourself to focus on something, and that clearing the mind is what has all the benefit. And you're using the teacher training program as a way to clear the mind. Why are you clearing the mind? Because you've got to sit and learn all your anatomy. You've got to sit and listen to the correct pronunciation of Sanskrit. You've got to sit and work out all your cues and your instructions because you are going to teach a 60 minute flow. You have no time to think of all your other shit. So true. Yeah, yeah, so true. Right. So you put yourself in that experience and you are physically challenged. Yeah. Definitely on my course as a physical challenge. Oh, yeah, I can confirm. <laughs> right. So and pushed, pushed to your limits. And what I share on the training is it's all about accepting where you are at that moment in time. And it's an intense experience. And on some days, you will fly through the day, right? And then at the end of the day, you're going to go and say hello to everybody on Patnam Beach because you've had the best day ever and you're full of, like, positive energy. And then the next day, you're absolutely shattered. Yeah. You can't eat any more chickpeas. You can't take in any more uh, Sanskrit and you, you, not, you never want to do another chaturanga again, right? And you, you just want to cry and put your head under the pillow. So you have this three-week intense journey to go with, like, the roller coaster of it. And that's really healthy as well because that makes you accept where you are at that moment in time, except that one day's amazing. And when I see people having these great days, I'm like, oh God, in a few days, let's, you know, let's, yeah. you know, let's see where you are. And that's all part of the, the process and part of the, part of the journey. Mm. Gosh, you, you, your wisdom just, um, it all comes out. It all comes out. Yeah. And so how does it vary then? Because you spend, I mean, talk about goals, six months of the year in Goa and then the other six months you're back in Liverpool, right? Because you've got a, is it an academy that you've got there? Um, it's the Yoga Academy in Liverpool. I run I run teacher trainings in Liverpool. There's a, a couple of studios and Chester, actually. We're just going to Chester. And I have a few courses that run over the three weeks, which is the exact same course that runs over here in, in Goa. Same curriculum, same manual, presented in the, the same way. And then I also have, like, the city version of the course, which runs over weekends, over, over three months. So... For anybody that's maybe listening to you and being like, oh, wow, she sounds amazing and I want to do it, but maybe they're intimidated by flying to India or cost-wise, you know, maybe they can't afford to, if because we have, most of our listeners are from the UK, then they could actually consider doing a teacher training in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I'll take it online. I think I'm still getting over being on Zoom in lockdown to, mm. to maybe online is a possibility in the next year or so but we've definitely got trainings running throughout the year in in Liverpool and, and Chester I've got an amazing teacher Helen and my sister Kate and a few other teachers in Liverpool who all... so your sister was inspired was she after your or Kate or, or Kate trained with me in Nicaragua 
she flew. I had a, I was, I, so I did teacher training in a, on a surf camp in Nicaragua for a, a short period of time. That was fun. And were you holding the teacher training? Yeah, yeah I hosted, the, I hosted the teacher trainings, and it was yoga teacher training with surf. Right, and if anybody said to me, oh my God, or another person said, oh, you must be really good at surfing because you've got loads of core. No, <laughs> that is, this is not true. This is not true. Surfing's really hard. Right. But anyway, but yeah, I was over in Nicaragua, so Kate came to do teacher training with me in Nicaragua. She's also a high school teacher. Wow, wow. What an incredible story. So final question, and thank you so much for your time. This podcast is called The Happier Life Project. So at the end of every interview, I ask each guest to set some simple homework for our listeners. So, Julia, what is a simple, actionable, yogic takeaway that we could all implement into our daily lives that will help us on our mission to building a happier life? What a great question. (laughs) If we go back to the roots, we're in India. So Patanjali saying that yoga is stopping your thoughts. That little voice in your head that is sometimes really positive and it's sometimes really negative and sometimes it's just in between, right? And if yoga is stopping your thoughts, right, I think it's really important that you recognise when that little voice in your head is taking you in a negative direction. That could be by holding grudges, holding on to anger, holding on to things that no longer serve you, pardon the cliche, right? And know that you've got yoga as a tool to stop your thoughts and what is that is that going to do handstands by a wall for 10 minutes is that cuddling bolsters right is that doing an ashtanga practice is it coming to thrash it out with me in rocket and sweat and sweat in 35 degrees right what is your thing what is your object your point of meditation and concentration that will allow you respite from that little voice in your head God, that's such good advice. That's what I practice. All the other stuff, all the triangle pose, handstands, one-legged king pigeon or whatever I'm working on at that time, it is only a vehicle for me to get out of my own head and to find a little bit of calmness and and stillness in the mind. I'm not just saying it because I'm sat in front of you. You are one of the best teachers I've ever experienced. So I would just thank you as well for like helping me get out of my head while I've been here. And I'm so grateful that I got the opportunity to, you know, experience your classes here in Southern Goa. I mean, living, living the dream. I, I am living the dream. It's good. It's been hard work to get here, but yeah. Yeah, it's 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 great. So I yeah, well I hope you come back. Come I back. hope I come back too. And so actually, quick plug in terms of checking out the resort, it's obviously got a website. We are palmtreesyogaresort.com. Mm-hmm. And then for more on you, is it on Instagram? Is that your best or, or um, you've got a website I'm or Gavin Yoga, but my I've got like a really nice profile on the yogaacademy.com, uh, which is my Liverpool website. Ah, so there you go. If you're interested in learning more and maybe signing up for a retreat or teacher training, you've got the option of good old Liverpool. Liverpool or Goa or Chester. There you go. Liverpool, Goa or Chester. There there are my uh, options. Nicaragua is possibly back in the pipeline as well. There's a thing. Surfing. Trying to surf. Trying to surf. Got to say it with a Liverpool accent. Surf. Surf and turf. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
it's get me back with you i want to cry again thank you so much for listening to this episode of the happier life project and letting me share i guess what is my personal love letter to india to yoga and um, giving you some insight I suppose into my very healing journey you can just hear how light and happy I am can't you it's in my voice it's so easy to get sucked into the trappings of modern life but when all that is taken away it really makes you realize you don't need as much as you think you do so from my heart to yours thank you again for lending your ears and of course a big big thank you to the wonderful souls from all walks of life and different stages in their yoga journey for imparting some of their wisdom and teachings today from the jiva yoga academy vikas and pritam fellow students and lifelong friends susan and emily and from the yoga academy and palm trees yoga resort our fabulous guru julia gavin just one more moment of your time, please, for the important housekeeping before we sign off. If you are suffering with your mental health, there is a crisis button on the My Possible Self app, which will signpost you to the correct information for immediate expert advice. Those of you who are listening on one of the podcast platforms, the My Possible Self app is completely free to download, so you don't need to worry about it costing you anything. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the interviewer, which is me, and the interviewees. The content of this podcast should not be considered as a substitute for professional or medical advice. The primary healthcare are not involved in the production or content of this podcast. If you found this episode helpful and you haven't already subscribed, please, please do and leave us a review. And to find and follow us on social media, we are at My Possible Self and I've been at Radio Gabby. The light in me honours the light in you. Do take care and I'll see you on the next one. Namaste. Namaste.